Good morning, Orlando. It's the morning after the midterms. Lots to talk about. Glad you're up and at them early with us here at 6 for our first check at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And as Bud just said, it's the results from Decision 2018, the midterms, and more women are headed to Washington. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. My take on yours and how the vote went down last night. First up on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 6.02 on News Radio 93.1. Ron DeSantis is the winner of Florida's governor's race. And I think my election as governor in the nation's third largest state is further proof that, regardless of where you start out in life, if you work hard, if you do it for the right reasons, you can succeed in the United States of America. The Republican uh, took just under 50 percent of the vote to defeat Democrat Andrew Gillum by one percent. That's a difference of about 75,000 votes out of more than eight million cast. During his victory speech right here in Orlando, DeSantis promised to keep Florida a low tax state and hold people in government accountable. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The polling was way off on this race. I'm going to give you my take in a moment on exactly how DeSantis won this thing. It's coming up. Well, meanwhile, Bud, Monroe County, uh, home of the Florida Keys, is proof of just how tight the race for governor was. That's yeah. where Republican Ron DeSantis beat Democrat Andrew Gillum, I kid you not, by just one vote. No kidding. 18,021 to 18,020. That wasn't the only result in Monroe that got attention, though. In Key West, former city commissioner Terry Johnston will become the state's first openly lesbian mayor when she's sworn in in two weeks. Republican Rick Scott declared victory, and Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson's campaign appeared to concede, but the race for Florida's U.S. Senate seat might not be over. With 100% of the vote now in, Scott's lead is down to less than 39,000 votes out of more than 8 million casts. That would put the race within the half percent threshold that would trigger an automatic recount. Nelson did not speak publicly about the results last night, but his campaign manager said the senator will make a statement today. Yeah, and we're going to be all over that story as well. I'll, I'll give you chapter and verse on what Florida law requires if this stays under the half percent margin, Deb. Locally, Central Florida voters are sending their incumbent members of Congress back to Washington. Republican Ted Yoho won District 3 yesterday. Democrat Stephanie Murphy won District 7. Republican Bill Posey won District 8. Democrat Darren Soto won District 9. And Republican Daniel Webster won District 11. Republican Michael Waltz won District 6 to replace Ron DeSantis, who gave up, of course, his seat to run for governor. And Republican Ross Spano won District 15 to replace Republican Dennis Ross. The next Congress will have a record number of women. At least 95 women across the country were sent to the House by voters, with some races yet to be decided. Eleven women won their bids for the Senate, while nine states will have female governors. Most of the women headed to Congress are Democrats who put up record numbers on the ballots from coast to coast. There were 276 women running for the House, Senate, and for a governorship, and more than three-quarters were Democrats. Back here in the Sunshine State, a st uh, change to the state constitution will protect the waters off Florida. Voters yesterday approved an amendment to the constitution that would ban offshore oil drilling in state waters. Amendment 9 passed with 69 percent of the vote statewide. Stunning results on the amendments that we'll get into. Yeah. There were 12 on the ballot. They have to go 60 percent or more approval to actually be adopted into the constitution. 11 out of 12 of them passed last night. 
which is a little scary for reasons I'll cite later in the show. Including the ban on dog racing. And including the restoration of convicted yes. felons' rights after they have served their time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, I, there's so much to talk about this morning. And we'll be doing it for three solid hours with the best audience in talk radio. And finally, in other news, a NASA mission, we had talked about this yesterday, to study the upper atmosphere is being delayed. A Northrop Grumman Pegasus rocket carrying the $240 million ICON satellite was scheduled to blast off from the belly of an aircraft earlier this morning. Well, NASA said the launch was scrubbed because engineers encountered an anomaly while flying the the rocket from Cape Canaveral Air Force Station to its drop zone about 100 miles off the coast of Daytona Beach. Another launch attempt could come as soon as tomorrow morning. WFLA News Time at 6.06, and you can read about a man arrested for threatening to shoot up a Pennsylvania polling place. Get the details at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 93.1, this is Good Morning Orlando with Bud Henninger, Deborah Roberts, and Michael Yaffe. Boy, and uh, thank the good Lord with all of the partisan rancor and the passions running higher than we've seen and all the ugliness of the campaign. We didn't have a problem with violence anywhere that I am aware of across the country, which is like borderline miraculous, given what we've been experiencing, isn't it? Absolutely. I would expect to have heard more stories like that. But yesterday at my polling location, just folks holding signs and waving at the traffic. But, you know, Bud, I wanted to bring up what you're going to be talking about at some point this morning, and that is the polling. I'm wondering if these polling institutes were, you know, often considered very credible now they've gotten it so wrong for so many races, I wonder if they're going to have to go back and relook at their methodology. Well, and I'm going to explain where the problem is with the polling here. There is an unpollable vote, and it showed up, and it put DeSantis over uh, Gillum to win the governorship here in this state. Do you know that I was reading 34 out of 36 polls on this race since the primaries established DeSantis versus Gillum in the general election. 34 out of 36 polls had Andrew Gillum winning this thing. Which is crazy. And they also got it wrong in the primary. Gwen Graham was leading by 27%. Andrew Gillum was back at 5%. And his lieutenant governor candidate, Chris King, the local businessman, he was even behind him at 3%. So they've gotten the last three elections, primary, presidential, and now the midterms. They've absolutely gotten every single one of them wrong. You're absolutely right. And yeah. what is their methodology, and how are they going to change it? Or they... Well, they're going to lose all credibility. And, uh, yeah, and, and, I think they already have. Well, some of them have with me. Quinnipiac had this uh, Gillum up seven. Yes. And Scott up the same on Monday. Monday. Which is crazy. And that, that has been regarded as a credible poll. That's always no been the one. That's always been the one I, I go to. Yes. The not news anymore. One, not anymore. Exactly. I agree 100%. Um Listen, I hope you were catching all the returns last night, wherever you were in Central Florida. Uh, Decision 2018, the midterms, anchored by our colleague Mark Logos, Larry Spillman, Melissa Fox, the rest of the team last night. And uh, until all of the key race results were in, although we still have this issue with the the Scott Nelson Senate seat. More on what's going on with that in a moment. Yaffe at the controls. Steph taking your calls. If you want to weigh in on how things went when you voted yesterday and what you think about the results and how you explain what has happened here, we'll get into it not only locally and statewide, but nationally as well, the results of the midterms. 407-916-5400. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. 
Now, though, our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest right off the top will put a smile on your face no matter how you feel about the election results. If you win $1,000 on a Wednesday morning before the sun comes up, I know you'll be smiling, and you can do it. Listen for our keyword of the hour now, then text the keyword to 200-200, and we wish you good luck. That's followed immediately by our first of many updates on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on the post-election edition of Good Morning Orlando. Nationally, it looks like the Republicans are going to expand their narrow Senate majority from 51 currently to 54 or 55. Um, I was disappointed. I was hopeful that somehow the Republicans would hold on to the House. It didn't happen. It looks like the Democrats are going to take control. They needed 23 seats that they're going to, you know, plus or minus, they're going to wind up somewhere around gaining 35 seats here. But I'll tell you, the ramifications nationally, before we get onto all that's happening in Florida here, particularly in this Scott Nelson Senate race, um, with 54, 55 seats Republican in the Senate, you can forget about impeach 45. They can't get that done. They can might maybe do it with Maxine Waters in the now Democrat House, and I'm sure they will try. They'll never convict Trump in the Senate when it's controlled to that extent by Republicans. You can forget that. It'll help in the Senate for the president if he, if he gets another opportunity to uh, uh, put somebody on the uh, Supreme Court um, and to get some of these conservative federal judges confirmed that he's been doing in, at, at a record rate. Um, that's important stuff, and that now gets a lot more doable uh, with the Senate the way it will be configured. On the House side, though, I mean, it's going to be a nightmare, no question about it. If it's Speaker Pelosi, Maxine Waters in charge of finances, good God, what are we talking about there? Democrats are going to have subpoena power. They will use it. They'll go after Trump to investigate one thing after another. Watch him reopen the House Russia probe. They'll be investigating the way he uses his cell phone. They're going to want his tax returns. They'll subpoena them. So all of that is to come. But let's bring it back home to the state of Florida where when you take a look at the result of the midterms, Yaffe, you could say in Florida that the blue wave hit a red wall because we wind up with a Republican governor, again, an entirely Republican cabinet, and solidly Republican state house and state senate. And as for DeSantis and Scott, we hope with Scott, I think you can credit Trump in these rallies for dragging both of them over the finish line. And I think the President Yaffe made a difference with his rallies that he did, I mean, just at a furious pace for the last six or seven weeks. He did a three dozen of them, and he did ten in Florida and other states since the 1st of November. I think they've clearly made a difference in more states than not. Well, both you and I have been saying for the past week or so that this is going to be all about turnout And it was. Republicans turned out in pretty big numbers. So did Democrats. But I think a lot of that had to do with Trump, like you said. Yeah, absolutely right. Listen, I have the latest vote count. Um, No problem in in the close race for governor. DeSantis has um, finished with a a lead of 75,000 votes, uh, 1% over uh, Andrew Gillum. So he is the governor-elect right now. Thank God. And um, and as far as the Senate is concerned now, this thing may not be over, as Deb told you, and I will give you chapter and verse on Florida law, what happens with a race like this when you get down to a margin between the two candidates of less than 0.5%. Um, we're talking about automatic recount. I'll give you the very latest on that, and I have a lot more uh, to sort out for you here 
uh, as we analyze the results of these critically important midterm elections. I think on balance, yes, the House is gone, but I don't think it was a blowout. I don't think it ended up being a uh, repudiation of the Trump presidency. For God's sakes, in a midterm, first-term president picking up seats in the United States Senate, that's a huge deal. So I'm feeling pretty good about that. I'd like your reaction to what happened, and I'll give you more on the uh, the big stories from the midterms here in a moment. Join the conversation if you'd like, 407-916-5400, toll-free 866-916-5400, and the uh, text line 23680, standard message, and data rates apply. Um, Kathy and I predicted... That polls to the contrary, DeSantis would eke out a victory over Gillum, and it happened by a point. So we have a new governor, and his name is Ron DeSantis, endorsed by President Trump. And we are spared the chaos that would ensue with a left-wing extremist Democrat, Andrew McGillum, uh, at the controls in Tallahassee. What happened? I'll tell you what I think happened, and I think analysis uh, post-midterms will show this to be true. Common sense prevailed. People decided things are going well. The economy is strong. DeSantis represents a continuation of most of the policies of Scott and Trump. Why do I want to rock the boat and take a chance on this guy who's very, very charismatic, silver-tongued Andrew Gillum, but way out there on the left wing with the policies he advocates? I'm sorry. I like the way things are. DeSantis hasn't lit the world on fire, but I'm voting for him. And then there was something else. And that was the unpollable conservative pro-Trump vote. And this is what got Quinnipiac that thought Gillum was up seven and all the other pollsters as well who had him up substantially over DeSantis. Because a lot of folks who are pro-Trump and conservative and would vote for DeSantis will not talk to pollsters. They either are not there for the online polling or they hang up on the pollsters like I frequently do because, frankly, I don't have the time and, frankly, I don't trust them And I see some of these polling outfits as part of the anti-Trump media machine. But these folks all show up, and those votes got counted, and it fooled all of the pollsters. I have to tell you very quickly here that now I went to bed last night with Scott looking like he had beaten Nelson for the Senate seat here because it was up 0.6%. Now, with all the precincts in, it's down to 0.4%. Florida law provides for automatic recounts when the margin of victory is at 0.5 or less. If it gets down to 0.25% or less, a hand recount is ordered. So this race is not over. All the precincts are in, but the absentee ballots, there are some that could be counted that could make the difference and go either way. So that's a little bit scary, is it not? Let's go to the phones. First on the line, post-midterms. Matt, good morning from Claremont. Keep it sharp and focused for me, will you? Yeah, bud, we're happy. Uh-huh. But uh, that we lost the House because the House Republicans, they didn't follow Trump's lead on health care. They were slow on tax cuts. They didn't do exactly what he wanted. We put, sent them there to do a job. Well, OK, fair enough. But it's a rarity. It's a rarity for a sitting president, his party, to pick up seats in, a, in the first midterm. here. Things only happened like three times over history. So I'm not surprised, but you may have something there. Dan, you're in Maitland analyzing the midterms. What are your thoughts this morning, Dan? Yeah, I agree with Matt that we sent them to do a job that they didn't do, and I don't really mind them losing the House. 
because now we're going to see what the Democrats' real agenda is. And then the last thing is it's almost ironic about the whole Democratic Party and the black vote because when Martin Luther King got up and said, I want to see people judged by the character of their content. And the content of their, of their character skin. is what he said. Yeah, yeah that's it. And uh, not the color of their skin. Right. But the liberal Democrats and the black major or the blacks in any case are voting on the color of their skin and not the content of the character. So you think maybe, uh, well, how do you explain the victory? Do, do I have the analysis right on exactly what happened here? How DeSantis beat, uh, uh, beat Gillum? Well, that, again, I think your analysis is right, but you know, the, why is the black vote only concentrating on the color of the skin? Because I've never and had like it. Because said, frankly, they've never had a candidate that they, they could actually help make governor here. You know, I don't blame them, frankly, for what they've been through. And maybe they just decide I'm going to vote for you know DeSantis no matter what he stands for. But he stands for a lot of policies that a lot of African Americans would advocate as well. So it was a comfortable fit for them. But it was not enough for the reasons I cited. On the text line, Yaffe, reaction to the midterms and our commentary so far. Uh, Yes, one person says the big frustration they have is the low-information voter voting on the constitutional amendments. As you pointed out, 11 of 12 passed. I'm going to take you through how that went down last night. I have the vote totals on these amendments. It is stunning, and it is very concerning what happened last night with the amendments. Yeah, another person said DeSantis didn't do it alone. The ground troops won it for him. We did it again for our president. The unpollable conservative pro-Trump votes. That's what you're talking about there. That was a big deal. Deb, with more for you right now in our news update at the bottom of the hour and the results from Decision 2018, the midterms. And uh, John Mina, our old friend, head of the Orlando Police Department, has now been elected Orange County Sheriff. That's a big story as well. Good morning, Orlando. The morning after the midterms, we come to you from the Front Gate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. My co-host, Ever Roberts, next up on Good Morning, Orlando. The morning after the midterms, and among the results, Deb, divided government in Washington. Once again, Democrats are back in power in the U.S. House. Midterm election results show Democrats regaining control in the House of Representatives, and that shift in power is expected to result in big fights over President Trump's plan for a massive border wall and raises the possibility of government shutdowns over the coming two years. Democrats have also pledged to aggressively investigate the president and his administration. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. However, Republicans here in Florida are cheering after winning their hotly contested governor's race. Former Congressman Ron DeSantis defeated Democrat Andrew Gillum, the mayor of Tallahassee. Republicans also won in Ohio, where Attorney General Mike DeWine defeated Democrat Richard Cordray. Democrats pulled out a victory in Kansas, where Laura Kelly won the governor's race against Republican Secretary of State Chris Kobach. Voters in Michigan have approved legalizing recreational marijuana. The measure approved yesterday allows people older than 21 to use weed and to grow as many as 12 plants for personal use. The state will issue licenses for dispensaries and other marijuana-related businesses. Taxes on those businesses are expected to generate as much as $275 million a year. Michigan approved medical marijuana 10 years ago. It's the 10th state to legalize recreational weed. Locally, voters are giving Orlando's police chief more responsibility. John Mina was elected yesterday as Orange County Sheriff. He'll replace Jerry Deming, who will become county mayor. Mina says he's been proud to be an Orlando police officer and eventually the police chief. For the past 28 years, I was very proud 
to work with the men and women of the Orlando Police Department. I know many of you are here tonight. Thank you. The 50-year-old Mina ran as an independent. After four years as chief, he will lead the largest law enforcement agency in the Sunshine State. Really the best qualified candidate. You Absolutely. Know? He ran the police department well. He took us through Pulse. He's a good man and, uh, and, and a worthy man for the Orange County Sheriff's Office. I agree with you, bud. And finally, the Florida amendment that proposed restoring voting rights for felons has been approved by voters. The amendment will automatically restore the right to vote for people with prior felony convictions, except for those convicted of murder or a felony sexual offense. Upon completing their sentences, including prison, parole, and probation, those individuals will regain their right to vote. And you can get these stories and more at WFLAOrlando.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. And gang, stay tuned on the amendments. Shocking results last night. Some of the Central Florida congressional race results we'll talk about very, very shortly. But yeah, let's bring in Gina um, for the uh, post-midterm election edition of the Bloomberg Business Report, live from the heart of New York City. And good morning to you, Gina. Good morning, bud. Happy post-election day. Wow, it's really quite something and a lot to talk about. We're going to get back to it, but we always want to get up to date in the world of business and finance with you. Let's talk about the stock market's performance and what you anticipate today. Sure. Well, the stock futures are pointing to a higher Wall Street open on this day after America went to the polls. The election largely brought no real surprises for investors. And we did have stocks rising in thin trading yesterday on the election day. The Dow was up 173 to 25,635. And the Bloomberg Orlando index also rose about two-tenths percent. And let's talk about that tragic uh, crash of a commercial airliner made by Boeing over in Indonesia, the Lion Air crash that took so many lives recently. Boeing has issued an important bulletin to flight crews in the wake of this. What do you know this morning, Gina? That's right. Boeing is advising airlines on procedures to deal with any false readings from a plane sensor that authorities say malfunctioned on a 737 MAX jet that crashed off the Indonesian coast over a week ago, killing all 189 people on that plane. A source tells Bloomberg that the operations manual bulletin is based on preliminary findings from the Lion Air disaster. Boeing has delivered 219 of its MAX planes. This is the latest and most advanced 737. Interesting and important there. The pizza chain Papa John's has been embroiled in controversy. Um, They've had a mixed uh, earnings report here. What can you tell us about Papa John's? Well, the shares are actually cooking up gains after a decline in same-store North American franchisee sales. We're not quite as bad as what analysts were expecting, bud. However, third-quarter revenue did miss estimates. The pizza chain did lower the top end of its earnings outlook as it deals with scandal and steep competition these days. Very interesting. And uh, in the retail sector, a couple of big-time heavyweights here in competition, Walmart and Amazon. What do you got, Gina? That's right. Look out, Amazon, because Walmart may be eating your lunch. Walmart has surpassed Amazon in a survey of online food shoppers, more of whom said they most recently visited Walmart's site for groceries. Local supermarkets were in third place. Very, very interesting. And that'll do it for a somewhat abbreviated Bloomberg Business Report as we get back to the election results and analysis here. Gina, thank you so much. Live from New York City with a Bloomberg Business Report. Have a great day. We'll catch you tomorrow morning. Thanks, bud. You too. All right. Hey, I've got the president tweeting in the wake of the midterms. Before we get into the amendments and the congressional races here locally, (laughs) he's actually writing 
praising himself in the third person. I've never quite seen any Trump tweets like these. I'll share them with <laughs> This is funny. <laughs> I'll share them with you in a moment. Stay tuned. We'll get to it right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on Good Morning Orlando. Are you suffering from neuropathy? Do you experience stabbing pain, numbness, tingling, or a burning sensation in your hands or feet? Are you taking dangerous prescription drugs with limited relief and you've been told you just have to live with it? If this is you, then you need to hear about the groundbreaking, non-invasive, natural solution for neuropathy at Cryonext Integrative Healthcare right here in Orlando. They have an 87 to 93% success rate in helping neuropathy sufferers relieve their pain and get their lives back, all without prescription drugs, painful injections, or surgery. Everyone in the Orlando area suffering with neuropathy is invited to attend their next free seminar and learn how you can reverse this deadly condition once and for all. To reserve your spot now, call 407-537-0767. This is a free seminar, but seating is limited, so call now, 407-537-0767. That's 407-537-0767. So last night, the president, after the Republicans, with a lot of help from him in those incredible Trump rallies, picked up seats in the United States Senate in the midterms, even though they lost the House. Said Trump on Twitter, tremendous success tonight. Thank you to all. Then there were three tweets here that made it sound like Trump was trying to brag without sounding like he was bragging by writing it in the third person. But then, yeah, he said, no, 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 no. Bud man, read the read the fine print. It says these are quotes from Ben Stein in his capitalist code. OK, here's what he writes. There have only been five times in the last 105 years that an incumbent president has won seats in the Senate in the off-year election. Mr. Trump has magic about him. This guy has magic coming out of his ears. He is an astonishing vote-getter and campaigner. The Republicans are, and he continues in another tweet, unbelievably lucky to have him, and I'm just awed at how well they've done. It's all the Trump magic. Trump is the magic man. Incredible. He's got the entire media against him, attacking him every day, and he pulls out these enormous wins. How do the Democrats respond to this? Think of how his position with Republicans improves all the candidates who won tonight. They realize how important he is because of what he did in campaigning for them. They owe him their political career. Thanks, I agree. Pretty cool. Then Trump, with a tweet on his own, received so many congratulations from so many on our big victory last night, including from foreign nations, friends that were waiting me out and hoping on trade deals. Now we can all get back to work and get things done great stuff trump is the magic man he is, is what he said yes i wonder how much trump's going to use that He's uh, uh, stick he with ought that. to use it he ought to use it here <laughs> i, like I mean uh, listen he dragged DeSantis over the finish line here yeah, he did. there is no doubt about that and hopefully scott as well pending what looks like we may have a recount in the senate race we had 12 amendments to the constitution in florida on the ballot it's ridiculous i mean it, it, it uh, Constitution is not supposed to be a Christmas tree onto which you just put as many ornaments as you can fit in the form of as many amendments as you can get on the ballot. It has come down to this, and it is ridiculous. But what is really scary here, normally what would happen, particularly since they raised the threshold for approving a constitutional amendment some years ago from 50 to 60 percent, very high bar, normally you'd only get maybe one or maybe no amendments approved because they couldn't hit the 60 percent threshold. Last night, 11 of 12 amendments 
got more than 60% and are now going to be adopted as part of the Florida Constitution. The only one that didn't make it got 58%. That was Amendment 1, increasing the homestead exemption. I would have thought, because people look at that as a tax break, something I thought the legislature ought to rule on shouldn't be an amendment. Uh, but, but the, you know, sure, save a little bit of money. Uh, yeah, I'll vote for it, 58%, but it didn't hit the 60% threshold. I mean, Amendment 2, limiting property tax assessments, got 66.5%. Amendment 3 that I voted for, Gives voters control of casino gambling downstream 71.4%. I voted for Amendment 4. It's been controversial on our show here. But, you know, I think fair is fair. You pay your debt to society if you're a convicted felon and you have uh, done your time for the crime, fulfilled all the other requirements of the courts. You get all your rights back, including the right to vote. Uh, and and that approved. that was approved by 64.4%. The restoration of felon voting rights, like most other states do. All but a few do not. Um, at any rate, Amendment 5 I voted for as well, uh, requiring a supermajority 66%, two-thirds, for tax hikes in the state of Florida, 65.8% approval. Amendment 6 through 11 were these bundling amendments where they combined all kinds of unrelated things, making you vote for one when you didn't want the other. Um, it's ridiculous. I mean, like bans on drilling and vaping in the same amendment. They all got more than 60% of the vote. And then there's Amendment 12 um, that deals with um, trying to reduce the abuses of lobbying of those in office. 79% approval. That got more votes than anybody else. I did vote for Amendment 12. Amendment 13, goodbye dog racing by 69% of the voters wanted an end to uh, Greyhound Racing. I don't think we should be voting legitimate businesses, whether you like them or not, out of existence. That's why I was a no vote, but I was in the minority. That is just almost unbelievable what happened with the amendments. A couple of key congressional races here in Central Florida to comment on as well. I'd like to know your take on what happened with the amendments here. Do you realize now we're just going to have longer and longer ballots with all kinds of measures that ought to be handed by handled by the legislature put up for approval with the amendments. How do you account for people voting for 11 of 12 of these amendments at 60% and more? Most people don't have a clue what those amendments are about. You know that's true. This is very concerning. It's scary to me. It really is. Um, 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rate supply. What's your reaction to what happened with the amendments? Or any of the other key races? Governor? U.S. Senate in Florida? Um... What happened in Congress? We've been talking about it, and uh, we're talking about it with you. So join the conversation. I'll talk with you in just a moment. Gaffey, as we put our eye on some key Florida congressional races here, um, I can't wait to talk to our colleague Mark Logus, who headed up our decision 2018 midterm election uh, coverage last night because he was on with us yesterday morning. He'll be here at 20 after 8 again this morning with his postmortem on the midterms here. He was very hopeful that... Um, in District 7, Stephanie Murphy, who um, who took out longtime Republican John Micah in the last congressional election, she's a Democrat here, would be defeated by the Republican Mike Miller. Didn't happen. Not even close. Yeah, that was actually the one Democrat I predicted would win. I actually put it on my Twitter. I tweeted out two days ago that she would be the one I think would win because she's a compelling candidate. 
Yeah, I mean, she I really is. Her, and, and, and she's not an extremist. She's not a left-wing right. nut job. She's a reasonable Democrat, okay? Yeah. And and a good campaigner, too. Mike Miller's a rock-solid guy, um, you know, has been in the legislature. And he had the backing by some notable Republicans. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, Murphy's a really good campaigner. 15% margin here, 57.5 for Murphy, 42.5 for Mike Miller. That was a, that was a shocker. Um, for the Democrats here, Darren Soto, who is the uh, the first um, congressional representative uh, from the state of Florida of Puerto Rican descent, um, is going back to Congress. He defeated Wayne Lipnitsky. Uh That is District 9. I'm really not surprised there. Our old friend Daniel Webster, um, a stalwart for the Republican Party, is uh, going back to Congress. District 11, he easily defeated a progressive candidate by the name of Dana Cottrell, 65 to 35 there. Way to go. Dan Webster, um, and there were a couple of of uh, districts where the uh, Democrats thought they would get pickups in the House. They are going to take the House. We know that. Looks like they're going to get about 35 seats. They needed 23 to take control, uh, but the Republicans are retaining control of the United States Senate, which is extraordinary in a midterm. Uh, at any rate, uh, retired U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Michael Waltz, uh, running in the old Ron DeSantis Congressional District Number 6, has defeated Nancy Soderberg, and that district includes part of our listening area in Volusia and Lake County. And also, Republican State Representative Ross Spano has uh, defeated Kristen Carlson in District 15, including uh, Claremont, Groveland, and extending on over to the suburbs of Tampa. So some of the uh, the key congressional races here uh, in Central Florida, along with our take on the amendments, which have prompted some incoming on the text line, Yaffe, 11 of 12 amendments hit and exceed the 60% threshold in Florida here. I don't know what happened last night, but it concerns me. Yeah, one person said this, said voters are totally uninformed on the amendments. It's t- it takes time to understand their impact. Um, another- why, then why don't they just vote no on them? You're, you're a no vote on every almost every yeah. amendment. I'm not as extreme as you are on that, but... You know why? Why don't you? Why isn't the default position to vote no as opposed to yes? I don't know. They see something, they read it real quick. They said, "Yeah, that sounds good," and then they vote on it. That's what it is. And you know, one person texted in that the the legislators have just figured out instead of passing legislation, they'll just pass it on to the voters. It's easier. Yeah, and put something up there that sounds good, whether it's right. good or not, and people bit for it here. I'm sorry, there are idiots among us, and they get to vote. But at any rate, I'm not talking to idiots here. I'm talking to the smartest audience in talk radio. And if you're just joining us, we're going to get back into analyzing all the big stories uh, that come from the, uh, the midterm election results locally, statewide, and nationally. And we have a U.S. Senate race here, Scott versus Nelson, which may not be over. Deborah Roberts is going to have more on that at the top of the hour. And the midterms and Gillum, um, and Gillum conceding to DeSantis. That we have. So we have a done deal there. DeSantis wins the governorship here, but that U.S. Senate seat is still apparently up for grabs. Deb's got more coming up here. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Good morning from us all at 7 o'clock. 
Good morning, Orlando, on the morning after the midterm elections. And we are glad you're with us here at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Here and now for you on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the results from Decision 2018, the midterms, and Andrew Gillum concedes to Ron DeSantis. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And my take and yours straight ahead on the big stories emerging from the midterms here on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 7.03 on News Radio 93.1. Divided government is coming back to Washington, and that could complicate President Trump's life. Democrats regained control of the House in yesterday's midterms, and they've pledged to aggressively investigate the president and his administration. Still, the president is calling the outcome a big victory as Republicans added to their majority in the Senate. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A hard-fought battle in Texas ends with Republican Ted Cruz staying in the Senate. Cruz turned back a challenge by Democratic Congressman Beto O'Rourke. Nevada Democratic Congresswoman Jackie Rosen is projected to defeat GOP Senator Dean Heller. Heller was considered one of the most vulnerable Republicans in the Senate, and it looks like we won't know until tomorrow at the earliest who Arizona's next U.S. Senator will be. Democrat Stacey Abrams isn't conceding the Georgia governor's race to Republican Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Kemp led by less than two percentage points early this morning. Abrams took the stage just before 2 a.m. to say she's waiting for every provisional and absentee ballot to be counted. Kemp said he's confident victory is near. There's been a lot of attention on the Georgia race, with Abrams looking to become the nation's first black female governor. Back in the Sunshine State, Democrat Andrew Gillum is apologizing to his supporters after narrowly losing election as Florida governor. In a concession speech last night at Florida A&M University, the mayor of Tallahassee also promises to fight on. I sincerely regret that I couldn't bring it home for you. But... I can guarantee you this. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to fight. Gillum finished with just under 49% of the vote, about 1% behind Republican Ron DeSantis. And the polls could not have been farther off the mark. We're going to explain exactly what I think happened last night, which is exactly what I was counting on. Coming up. Republicans will fill at least two of the three positions in the state cabinet that were on yesterday's ballot. Ashley Moody defeated Sean Shaw for attorney general, and incumbent Jimmy Patronis was victorious over Jeremy Ring for chief financial officer. But in the race for agriculture commissioner, Republican Matt Caldwell's lead over Democrat Nikki Freed is under the half percent threshold that would trigger an automatic recount. You were talking about uh, the amendments earlier, bud, yeah. and all but one of the 12 amendments on Florida's election ballot will become part of the state constitution. Each proposition had to score a 60 percent or more of the vote in order to pass. The only one not getting enough votes was Amendment 1, which would have increased the amount of a home value that's exempt from property taxes. Among those that did pass were amendments restoring voting rights to convicted felons who served their sentences, ending dog racing in Florida in 2020, and giving voters the exclusive right to authorize casino gambling. You know, the way it's been since they raised the threshold to 60% from 50% for approval of these amendments, it's always been that maybe you get one that gets approved. Now, somehow, we get one that isn't approved. I know. It's crazy what happened with the amendments. Everything with the amendments and the polling just turned everything upside down in these midterms. You're not kidding. More on that in a moment. And finally, a dead man has been elected to the Nevada State Assembly. 
Famed brothel owner Dennis Hoff was running as a Trump Republican when he unexpectedly died last month following a party for his 72nd birthday. It was too late to remove his name from the ballot, so the county clerk's office posted notices at all the polling places alerting voters that the candidate was dead. Hoff still beat his Democratic opponent Tuesday by a 70% vote. The Board of County Commissioners will replace Hoff with another member of his party. Obviously, all the clueless voters aren't in Florida. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) They're everywhere, Deb. It's scary. My take from that, bud, is they'd rather vote a dead Republican than an alive Democrat. (laughs) (laughs) I guess you're right. WFLA News Time at 7.07. Hey, speaking of Texas... Read about and watch as a Texas election supervisor resigns after she's filmed screaming at a voter. You can get it for it for yourself at WFLAOrlando.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Poll of polls said Ron DeSantis was going to get smoked by Andrew Gillum in the race for Florida governor. It didn't happen, and I'll explain why. It looked like Rick Scott had beaten incumbent Bill Nelson for that U.S. Senate seat. Now it looks like not so fast. Headed for a recount? I'll give you the very latest. It is coming up. Lots to talk about in the wake of the midterms, and I hope you caught our coverage here of Decision 2018, the midterms, with uh, Mark Logus and the team last night as the uh, as the vote came in. By the way, Mark will be joining me here at 20 after 8 this morning with his takeaways from the midterms. I've got a lot of angles on this I want to pursue with you. If you've got something you want to say in reaction to the way the vote came down, your analysis, welcome at 407-916-5400, toll-free 866-916-5400, and the text line always open, never busy at 23680, but be aware... Standard message and data rates apply there. Regardless of how you feel about the election results, I'll put a smile on your face if I can get you to win $1,000 in our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest. Put yourself in the running right now for $1,000. Listen now for the keyword of the hour. Uh, text the keyword to 200-200. Good luck. It's coming up right after an, uh, a word from Deb. And we're also going to have an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic on the morning after the midterms here on Good Morning Orlando. So when I turned in very late last night in the um, race for the U.S. Senate, it was very close. Rick Scott had 50.3% of the vote to Bill Nelson, 49.7%. That's a margin of 0.6%. And it looked like that was going to be it. And that would be a Rick Scott victory. But then when I woke up this morning, I took a look at the latest numbers, and that margin had shrunk. And... um, Whereas Rick Scott last night was up 55,000 or so votes over Nelson, uh, his margin is now down, at the latest down, under 30,000. And when you do the percentages on it, it is now um, 50.2% for Scott, 49.8% for Bill Nelson. And you do the math, that's a difference of less than uh, 0.5, it's 0.4%. Under Florida laws, here's what the statutes say. Um, Provides for automatic recounts with a margin of victory for a given office or measure is equal to or less than 0.5% of the total votes cast for that office or measure. If the margin of victory is equal to or less than 0.25%, a hand recount is ordered like we saw in the 2000 um, presidential election. Just the very thought of saying the word recount in connection with the Florida election just gives me the chills. 
But I don't know how this is going to play out. They have to crank in the absentees that are outstanding and then see where we are. But we may not have uh, a resolution of this uh, U.S. Senate seat today. As far as the um, as far as the amazing victory of Ron DeSantis over Andrew Gillum, 34 out of 36 polls during their race this fall showed that Gillum was going to beat DeSantis. The Quinnipiac poll, generally well-regarded Quinnipiac University poll, had Gillum up seven and he lost by a point. What happened there? It's exactly what I was counting on yesterday. I think it was common sense. People decided to vote, and if their vote was still up for grabs, they said, you know what? Am I better off than I was two years ago? Yeah, I am. The economy's on fire. Rick Scott, Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis represents a continuation of their policies, particularly with the economy and almost everything else. I'm not going out on a wild hair and take a flyer on a left-wing extremist to see if things are still going to be as good when he gets done running Florida. I can't vote for Andrew Gillum. And I think that changed the thing last night in the results. And the polls, pollsters also were stumped by the unpollable pro-Trump conservative vote. People, and I'm among them, I don't respond to telephone pollsters. I hang up on them. And a lot of folks do. Or... Or they don't play straight with them because they don't like them or they don't trust them. But then the unpollable pro-Trump conservative voters show up at the polls and you get a result that the polls didn't show. And that's exactly what I think happened last night. It's also great to see that in a midterm, and it's a rare event, that the, um, the president's party in the first midterm can pick up seats in the Senate. Looks like we're going to wind up with 54 or 55 Instead of the current 51, forget about impeachment. You couldn't convict Trump in the Senate with that kind of margin in the Republican Party. It's a big deal. Supreme Court nominees, who knows, you know? Ruth Bader Ginsburg, God bless her, may run out of gas. Some of these other aging liberals on the court could have another Supreme Court nominee. A lot easier to get confirmation with a comfortable margin that looks like we're going to have in the Senate. You know, confirmation of conservative judges to the federal bench, that's a big deal. House, yes, run by the Democrats. They're probably going to pick up 35 seats. They need a 23. Uh, Speaker Pelosi, Maxine Waters in charge of finances. I mean, good God, it's going to be a nightmare. They're going to, you know, they have subpoena power, the whole thing. They're going to go after Trump. But you know what? They may just show themselves for being the obstructionists that they are, and Trump may well be able to run against what will be the do-nothing Democrat House of Representatives in 2020. So this may all turn out. And as Trump said, I'll deal with it. I'll figure it out. I am quite sure he will. Yeah, I think it was Breitbart that buttonholed um, DeSantis after his victory speech. And uh, here's a very brief, but hey, it's historic. It is the first interview by the new governor-elect of the state of Florida um, touting his connections with President Trump. And are you looking forward to working with President Trump? Absolutely. I mean, you know, we're going to be able to really do a lot together. Uh, the governor can't do it all here, unfortunately. We actually have to interact with the federal government. So, you know, we need something for military. I'll call him when we need something for environment or transportation. And he loves Florida. I mean, so it's really, he, we've never had a president who is this tied to Florida. So it's going to make my job easier. We'll put it up right by. All right. There you go. Short, hard to hear. Chaos. Pandemonium here in Orlando. Uh, the pollsters didn't pick it up, but I told you I predicted that DeSantis would pull this thing out, and uh, and and for the reasons I cited, 
Common sense prevailed. People said this guy, Gillum, is too extreme. And uh, and the fact of the matter is a lot of unpollable conservative pro-Trumpers came out to vote. And uh, it was awesome. We dodged a really big, nasty left-wing bullet there by a single point. A texter is raising an issue that came up on the phone from one of our favorite liberals who calls in on a regular basis. Yes. One texter pointed this out, said, It looks like Bertha's connection to God was a little staticky because Gillum lost. She called me and she was going after the Budmans and God wants Gillum to win. You wait on Wednesday morning, which you're going to be talking about Budman. Well, where is Bertha this morning? (laughs) Uh, We're going to make room for you, Bertha, on the left side of the 50,000-watt front porch, okay? We're serving, uh, you know, we're serving... Pancake, breakfast, bacon and eggs, whatever you want. Nice cup of coffee. Put your feet up and explain to me how in the world Gillum lost if God wanted him to win like you asserted here on the 50,000-watt front porch just days ago. Bertha, how are you doing? It's going to be okay, sweetheart. Counselors are available. Van, you're in St. Cloud analyzing the midterms. What are your thoughts? Good morning, Van. Good morning, sir. Um, two things, if, you don't, if you'll let me say one, the sad part is DeSantis should have won by 80%. If you look at it, half of Florida is okay with raising taxes. That, that's, just, that's just crazy. It's a changing electorate. There is no question about it. Minorities, young voters, um, they see things differently. Yes, they do. And the other thing, I don't know if you talked about it yet, if you're going to, I really can't believe that Cortez lady won in New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ocasio-Cortez at age yeah. 29 or something is uh, is going to be the youngest woman in Congress. She's the absolute left-wing socialist here, you know, who blew it out a, a... Yeah, I know. Yeah, she's in Congress. She is clueless. Every time she talks, it's pretty obvious she doesn't have any idea what she's talking about. Uh, hopefully, she'll be one and done in the Congress. I mean, they asked her the other day, well, Med- Medicare... For all, isn't, isn't that going to be expensive? How are we going to pay for it? And she said, uh, you just pay for it. You're the clueless left winger. <laughs> what an answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, let me see. Eric, you're on the toll-free out of Edgewater. Good morning to you, Eric. Great show, bud. Unfortunately, a bad topic. Um, what do you, what, what's a bad here? topic? What do you mean? The the flipping. I'm uh I'm down here in I moved here in '05 from New Jersey. Uh-huh. I could tell you about corruption like you wouldn't believe. All my friends from up in New Jersey, I look at their posts. Not a single district in New Jersey asked for any ID. Now we have a problem here in Florida. We if you look at the narrow margin, as the previous caller spoke, uh, it was what almost 400,000 seats. We are now going to allow 1.3 million felons to vote Democrat. The next election, it's over. Turn out the lights, Florida. Well, they're not I'm all going to vote Texas. Democrat, and, and it's only fair. I mean, there's only a few states that don't allow you to get your voting rights back with all the other rights after you've served your time. You pay your debt to society. It's an issue of fairness, Eric. I don't, I don't see it as a partisan issue. I really don't. I really don't. Bottom of the hour, the results from Decision 2018, the midterms. Deborah Roberts with more for you. And a new SUV is going to feature tones from a symphony orchestra. Ooh, very nice. 
all ahead on the news. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. We are glad you're with us the morning after the midterms. Deb, as we uh, get folks who are just joining us up to date on the aftermath of the midterm elections, there's been a lot of talk about turnout. And boy, we had one the likes of which I don't think we've ever seen for a midterm. Yeah, that's true. In fact, voters who normally skip the midterm elections are uh, making an impact this year. Exit polls indicate that 16 percent of voters were casting ballots in their first midterm election. The polls show the first time voters were choosing Democrats over Republicans by a rate of 62 percent. Midterm elections tend to draw far fewer voters than presidential elections. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. The new Lincoln av- uh, Aviator, rather. What's the name of your Lincoln? No, mine, mine's the Z. Oh, you have the Z. The Lincoln oh. MKZ. Oh, 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 but me. the Aviator. The Aviator will have a unique feature for owners of the all-new luxury SUV. The automaker teamed up with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra to provide the tones for 25 different vehicle features, including when a door is open or your seatbelts aren't fastened. Really? Yeah, isn't that cool? What do you get? I want that every time I open the door. I'll feel important if I get a little Beethoven. Yeah, that would be nice. That would be nice. No word if they take requests, but the musicians combined percussion, violin, and viola to create the sounds. Lincoln first approached the DSO two years ago with the idea when the vehicle was still in its development. The Aviator will be making its first official debut later this month at the Los Angeles International Auto Show. That's really cool. Isn't that awesome? I like that. A Washington State Highway became a temporary bay for several salmon over the weekend. Yeah, drivers recorded video of fish swimming across shallow waters of the U.S. Highway 101 near Shelton. A hatchery specialist says fish from a uh, local river often appear in the area after a nearby creek is flooded during spawning season. The fish are sometimes stranded in these shallow ponds until the flooding subsides. I'll be doggone. I know. Of all the things you encounter on the roads. Yes. Hey, speaking of being on the water, mm-hmm. the city of Mount Dora is proud to play host to the annual Patriot Cruise and Salute this Sunday, Veterans Day. Are you going to be a part of that again? Yes, I am. Let's talk about it. Well, back on July 4th, uh, 2012, local resident Roseanne Abato was inspired when she saw a national news report about an organization in the D.C. area called Patriot Cruise and Salute. The organization would treat wounded veterans and their families to an outing on the Potomac, followed by a picnic lunch and a patriotic program as a way to say thank you for their service and sacrifice. So Roseanne and her husband, Carol, brought the program to Mount Dora on Veterans Day 2012. So starting at 12 noon, veterans are going to be brought in via boats across Lake Dora, where they're going to dock at Grantham Park. Residents, visitors, and anyone who wants to support our veterans are encouraged to come on by the docks at 1145, bring an American flag, and then wave it proudly as the veterans are cruised in by volunteer boat captains. It's really cool. They have the fire trucks. They put the crane arms up. They have a huge American flag hanging down. They salute the veterans, and flags uh, will be available to anyone who doesn't have one that they can bring from home. Let's make sure we get the the day right now. This is going to be this This Sunday, Sunday, This Sunday, Veterans Day. Yeah. Beautiful. Then the uh, veterans are going to uh, be treated to a picnic lunch after a patriotic welcome with live music. Uh, Anyone in attendance is welcome to come. Bring along a lawn chair and a picnic lunch of your own or enjoy any one of the great restaurants in Mount Dora. And enjoy the program. Now, the veterans range in service from World War II to Afghanistan. The oldest veteran this year is a 94-year-old female Marine from World War II. Oh, my goodness. The second oldest will be 94 in November, and he's also a World War II Marine veteran. 
And you're going to be there, going to be doing some MC work? or No, what? just waving my flag like right. everybody you're else. You're now a, ma- a resident of Mount Dora. You can meet the Debmeister as well. Give us the name of the event. It's right around noon on Sunday yep, down by the lake in Mount Dora. Patriotic Cruise and Salute, and it's going to be at Grantham Park. Awesome. Great stuff, Deb. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Love to take care of our veterans and mm-hmm. remind them that uh, Election Day, we couldn't vote if it weren't for all of the veterans, all of the men and women who make the ultimate sacrifice. Who have kept us free through all of these years. And, uh, Deb, thank you so much. You're welcome, bud man. Deborah Roberts with more on the uh, midterms. Breaking news, of course, whenever that develops. I have some fresh Trump tweets to share with you along the way. Always nice at breakfast. And uh, <laughs> he is uh, devouring his opponents, actually, as we speak on Twitter. We'll get... We'll get to that. But first of all, here's an opportunity for you to uh, win a great prize. You're going on us to a great fall family event in Orlando if you're our sound judgment game winner. I have the question coming right up, and um, I think you're going to be able to handle this one. You're eligible to win by company rules if you have not been a sound judgment winner in the last 30 days. So please respect that on the honor system, if you will, and give others a chance. So first-timers, welcome along with the regulars on sound judgment. you got to lock in on the phones before all the lines are filled, 407-916-5400. This is a great event you're definitely going to want to go to here, and it's all on us if you're our sound judgment winner. I'm looking for sound judgment contestants right now. On the 50,000-watt front porch, 407-916-5400. Toll-free, 866-916-5400. Sound judgment. Coming right up. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us in the morning after the midterms. By the way, the anchor of our decision 2018, the midterms coverage last night, bringing all the election results to you with expert analysis was Mark Logus, and he did a great job heading up the team, and he will be joining us with his take on the midterm results, um, and that will be at 22 minutes after 8. You'll want to be with us for that for sure. Now time to play the sound judgment game, and let's talk about the prize up for grabs for our winner today, Steph. Yes, bud. So today we have a great pair of tickets to Taste of Orlando at Waterford Lakes on Saturday, November 10th. This all-day family-friendly food festival features delectable taste of the city with live entertainment, a kid's zone, a man cave, and much more. Tickets are on sale now. Visit WFLAOrlando.com, keyword events, for more info. If you have not been to Taste of Orlando, it will blow you away, okay? And if it for some odd reason isn't your thing, I know there's somebody in your family or circle of friends would love those tickets. They're tough to get, and we've got them. Are you ready? Seldom have the pollsters gotten it more wrong than they did in the DeSantis Gillum race for Florida governor. We've been talking about it all morning. Almost every poll had Gillum ahead of DeSantis substantially for the entire campaign, but no poll that we know of was more off base than the Quinnipiac poll released the day before the election on Monday. We talked about it right here. For today's sound judgment game, I want you to listen to Governor-elect Ron DeSantis last night after Andrew Gillum conceded defeat, and then use your sound judgment to tell me how many points ahead Gillum was in that Quinnipiac poll this past Monday. How many points? I spoke with Andrew Gillum, and he very graciously conceded the election. He was a... He was a very formidable opponent, and I wish him well in his future endeavors. Man, I'll tell you, DeSantis is a gracious man. I couldn't have been that kind for some of the things that Gillum 
tried to hang DeSantis with, but be that as it may. We talked a lot about it on Monday. I had it as breaking news on the show. Um, DeSantis and Gillum. How many points up did Quinnipiac have Gillum in the Monday poll? Line one, do you remember? Do you remember line one? Seven points. Yes, you got it. Oh, great. How did you do that? Nice going. Congratulations. That's awesome. Well, I listen to your show every day, so I'm excited. And you were remembering us talking about it. That's just terrific. I love to have our regulars rewarded uh, with a great prize. You're going to Taste of Orlando at Waterford Lakes. It's just absolutely a great time. And uh, what is your name, please? What's your first name? Violet. Violet. I don't think I've ever had a, a Violet win, win the game. Is that the first time you've ever played in One Sound Judgment? Yes. And I tried so many times, and the line was always busy. So oh. I'm so happy. <laughs> this is even better, Violet. What town is your hometown, please? Uh, Merritt Island. Okay, way out on the coast. Great to have you with us on the Good Morning Orlando. And um, you're going to Taste of Orlando. What do you think about that? I love it. Never been there before, so my first time. It's our pleasure, and great having you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. And congratulations on winning Sound Judgment. I'm going to put you on uh, hold right now, and then Stephanie will make the arrangements for you to get the prize, okay? Thank you so much. I love your show. Uh, we love you too, darling. Thank you so much. It means a lot to all of us here who put uh, Good Morning Orlando together uh, for the best audience in talk radio five mornings a week from 6 to 9. Violet is our winner. In a moment, fresh Trump tweets and the Rush Morning Update. Right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes for you on Good Morning Orlando. Good morning, Orlando. The morning after the midterms, about which we will talk much more in our 8 o'clock hour. And I'll have a special guest appearance by the man who anchored our Decision 2018, the midterms coverage on WFLA last night, Mark Logus at 822. Ahead of that, some of the big takeaways as I see it from the midterms. Um... The president's been tweeting this morning a whole bunch. Um, Here are just a couple. Ron DeSantis showed great courage in his hard-fought campaign to become the governor of Florida. Congratulations to Ron and family. And then he tweeted this. Those that worked with me in this incredible midterm election, embracing certain policies and principles, did very well. Those that did not, say goodbye. Yesterday was such a very big win, the president tweets, and all under the pressure of a nasty and hostile media. And Yaffe's just gotten word to share with us right now that the president will be facing down that media later today. Yeah, he just tweeted out a couple of minutes ago that he's going to have a news conference today at 11.30 a.m. to talk about the midterms. That is like must-see TV. Got to be checking that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that ought to be that ought to be really good. There's no question that all of the rallies here um, made a huge difference. They definitely dragged DeSantis over the finish line against Gillum, no doubt about it. And Rick Scott, who's you know now maybe into a recount scenario with Bill Nelson, I, I don't think he would have made it to that point had it not been for a Trump. And he helped a lot of other candidates uh, with rallies as well. And uh, he helped take down some candidates with rallies. In Missouri, McCaskill went down, and he went there for, you know, 
for her Republican opponent, and he was he was great with what he did in Indiana and other states as well. So he's made a difference, and he's not shy about claiming that he did. It really is amazing how much he got done with all these rallies in just a couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, they were talking about that no president has done this much traveling before a midterm, maybe ever, maybe since Reagan. Oh, I think even even more so than yeah. Reagan. I don't remember Reagan doing this type of rally and all of this. The energy that that requires and the commitment was yeah, just exactly. unprecedented, as we said. And it was a sound judgment question. Remember that? He had done 26 rallies since the 1st of October. Remember that? And 10 since the 1st of November. Yeah. You wow. Know? And which is just extraordinary <laughs> to think of that. You know, he's a lot older than, than I am, and I don't even think I could do that much. 72 and indefatigable, as Rush said, at the Cape Girardeau, Missouri um, a rally in Rush's old hometown where he introduced the president. Rush is coming uh, uh, up here, of course, from noon until 3 today, and that ought to be rich. You won't want to miss it here on WFLA after Glenn Beck from 9 until noon. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you on the morning after the midterm election results. And we are glad you're with us at the top of the 8 o'clock hour for our latest look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here on News Radio 93.1 WFLA FM and AM 540. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning the results from Decision 2018, the midterms, and Governor Rick Scott wins Florida's Senate seat. Maybe. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. I'll give you my big takeaways from the midterms, and we'll talk with you next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 8.04 on News Radio 93.1. President Trump is offering his congratulations to House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi after the Democrats retook the House in Tuesday's midterms. The California Congresswoman's Chief of Staff tweeted that Trump called Pelosi Tuesday night and acknowledged her call for bipartisanship. While the Democrats won the House, Republicans held on to control of the Senate and expanded on their majority, meaning there will be a divided Congress next year. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Meanwhile, a majority of Americans are against impeaching the president. NBC News exit polling showed that 54 percent of voters in Tuesday's midterm say they don't think Congress should impeach Trump. The results split along party lines, of course, with 79 percent of Democrats in favor of impeachment, but only 5 percent of Republicans. Independents are also split on impeachment. Well, they could impeach him if they wanted to. Maxine Waters, Nancy Pelosi and company in the House never convict him in the now um, Republican-controlled Senate with even more seats than they have had. Yeah, exactly. That would never happen. It would be a waste of time. It was history in the making during Tuesday's midterm election. America has elected its first Native American congresswoman, both Democrats, one from Kansas and the other from New Mexico. Democratic Congressman Jared Polis won the race for governor in Colorado, becoming the nation's first openly gay man to be elected governor. The first Muslim congresswomen were elected in Minnesota and Michigan, and Massachusetts voters elected their first black congresswoman. She takes over the seat once held by John F. Kennedy. The race for Florida's U.S. Senate seat might not be over, even though Republican Rick Scott declared victory and Democratic incumbent Bill Nelson's campaign appeared to concede. Scott also took a dig at the pundits and the pollsters. You know, there's going to be a lot of pundits who are going to analyze this race. Uh, there's a lot of people who are going to pour over all those inaccurate polls. But I have no interest in looking backwards. I'm going to look to the future. 
With 100% of the vote now in, Scott's lead is down to less than 39,000 votes out of more than 8 million casts. That would put the race within the half percent threshold that would trigger an automatic recount. Nelson conceded just after midnight but didn't speak publicly. However, his campaign manager said the senator will make a statement today. And more on this dramatic overnight development on the race that we thought was over that may not be here in a moment, Deb. All right. And other news, a nationwide recall is being issued on certain birth control pills. Janssen Pharmaceuticals issued a voluntary recall of one lot of Orthonovum 135 tablets and two lots of Orthonovum 777 tablets. The affected packages apparently don't contain the appropriate instructions for the Veridate dispenser. The company says it's risky to take the pills without those instructions because the patient could take the pills in the wrong order which could result in breakthrough bleeding or an unintended pregnancy. And finally, the clock is ticking on daylight saving time in California. An overwhelming majority voted to pass Proposition 7 yesterday. It would allow California to opt out of observing daylight saving time, pending final approval, of course, from Congress. Proponents of getting rid of it say it's a health issue that disrupts our sleeping pattern. Amen. Opponents of the proposition say it will put California out of sync with the rest of the nation. But if you remember, the Sunshine Protection Act that went into effect here in Florida in July would also make daylight saving time year-round in the state. But so far, the required congressional approval to make that happen has languished in Capitol halls. Yeah, I know you're into it with how it screws up your your sleep cycle. I'm worried about how late the sun rises and how dark it is in the mornings for school kids and commuters at so many more months of the year if you do that. And that's why I'm opposed to it. I hope Congress does not take action on our Sunshine Act. No, I do not either. Oh, okay. I thought, well, you you don't like daylight saving time, right, or the time change? I don't like the time change when we spring forward. When we fall back, I'm all for it. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm all for it. Let's fall back more often. (laughs) WFLA News Time at 808. You might hurt yourself. (laughs) I probably would. Read about a man arrested for threatening to shoot up a Pennsylvania polling place. Apparently he was told he would get money and a gun if he did a straight party ticket. Oh, boy. You can get the details, the rest of the details, at WFLAOrlando.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Use your smart speaker. Tell Google Home to play News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Hey, Deb, it's not only the morning after the midterms, it's Wednesday. And in the 8.30 half hour of the show, we always have you with Attorney Jeff Kaufman on legal briefs. How about a quick preview of something you might be running by the... Uh, the attorney. Well, you know, that we had done a story yesterday about the fact that the Tallahassee Yoga uh, Studio shooter had once worked as a substitute teacher in Volusia County. Yeah. There's been a lot of questions as to why did they continue to hire this man when students were bringing up red flags, parents were bringing up red flags. So I'm going to ask Attorney Jeff Kaufman if the victims of that shooting have any recourse against the school system for or not flagging this guy for having problems. Important timely topic and more on legal briefs. And if you have a legal issue you're wrestling with in your life, text that information now to 23680. And Attorney Jeff Kaufman, along with Deb, may deal with that on our legal brief segment later in this hour. Yeah, lots of great free advice from the only attorney in the country who is licensed to practice in 18 states. And he's our man on legal briefs every Wednesday morning with the Deb Meister at 840. So don't miss that. 
We're going to have uh, Mark Logos on here, who did a great job anchoring our election return coverage, Decision 2018, the midterms last night with the WFLA News team. He will analyze the results of the midterms here, joining me live at 822. In the meantime, I will give you a couple of my big takeaways from the midterms. And if you've got something to say, uh, how surprised you were with the results Uh, what's the most important thing to you? How did the voting process go where you were? Um, Hey, whatever. It's fair game, and I want to hear from you at 407-916-5400, toll-free 866-916-5400, or text me at 23680. Always open there in the text line, but standard messaging data rates, of course, apply. Now, though, quickly, our Make Your Wallet Great Again texting contest coming right up where you can win $1,000 cold cash on a warm Wednesday morning. Listen for the key word of the hour coming right up. Text it right away to 200-200. Good luck. That followed by our latest update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic only two minutes away on Good Morning Orlando. Kathy and I predicted, along with Mark Logos, will be coming here shortly, our anchor on the uh, midterm election coverage here on WFLA last night, um, that DeSantis would pull this thing out. Uh, My analysis on it was I was counting on exactly what I believe happened. Um, There were voters yesterday who simply exercised some common sense and said, wait a minute, you know, we got a roaring economy here. DeSantis represents a continuation of the economic policies and most other policies of Rick Scott and of Donald Trump, who endorsed him and put him on the map in the primary, as you'll recall. And I'm not going to take a flyer on somebody who's way off the left end of the political spectrum in in Andrew Gillum with the things he advocates. I'm not going to take a chance on that. I think common sense resulted in some votes that that um, that perhaps otherwise DeSantis would not have gotten. And then, and then, the unpollable conservative pro-Trump votes. People who won't talk to pollsters because they don't trust them, they hang up on them, whatever, they lie to them, but they show up and they vote. And a lot of you are on that list. And I'm on that list as well. And the pollsters just had no clue. They couldn't figure it out. They didn't figure it out. But we figured it out. And that is how DeSantis beat the left-wing extremist Andrew Gillum. As far as the um, as the race for the U.S. Senate is concerned, it's now down to 0.4%. It's under 0.5%. Under, uh, if it stays there, absentees still to be counted. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if it stays under 0.5%, automatic recall under Florida law. Or recount, forgive me. Recount, okay? So that's exactly where we stand. Uh, I think the Trump rallies made a huge difference. I don't think DeSantis could have won without them. And uh, and if Scott wins, I think that would be true as well. Um, and I think he did an amazing job, the president, all around the country. Um, Florida winds up being a pretty red state. An all-Republican government um, and cabinet, House and Senate, um, in good shape in terms of being run by largely conservative Republicans, and I like that. On the national scene, looks like the Senate is going to be 40, 54, 55 seats Republican when all of this is said and done. That makes uh, the president uh, impeachment and conviction proof. No question about that. Uh, the House, yes, I'm disappointed. We thought the um, Republicans might hold it. They could not. The Democrats are probably going to wind up uh, gaining about 35 seats. They needed only 23. Uh, so, you know, they're going to have subpoena power. They're going to be going after the president. But watch them overplay their hand and watch the president run against what they try to do to him in 2020. 
So at any rate, just a few thoughts on the takeaways from the midterms, but I want to bring in Mark Logos on that here in just a moment. Our anchor on decision 2018, the midterms, the coverage last night as the votes came in that so many of you were enjoying. So we'll see what Mark's takeaway is and his analysis and thoughts on some key races and uh, issues on the ballot. And what was the deal with all those amendments getting approved? It's ahead right after we update Orlando's news, weather and traffic for you in two minutes on Good Morning Orlando. Maybe a little short on sleep, but fresh from anchoring our coverage of the election returns last night, Decision 2018, the midterms, our colleague and good friend Mark Logos joining us live. Mark, good morning to you. Good morning, bud. So, Uh, what do you think? Pretty good night, huh? Well, yes, not a perfect night. Few things are perfect, but I'd like your take on the midterm results. Well, first of all, I'd like to congratulate Florida for electing, which is is not being given any credit, the first Hispanic female, Jeanette Nunez. That makes Florida history. We were talking about what happens if Gillum wins. We're not talking about what happened with a DeSantis win, and Hispanics are well represented. I always thought that— Well, for, for, wait a minute. For folks who aren't connected to um, Jeanette Nunez, of course, she's the lieutenant governor. That is correct. She's there you the go. lieutenant governor— and I think by him picking her, normally it doesn't make a difference who your running mate is, but I think it made a big difference because I think he did a little bit better in South Florida than uh, DeSantis, that is, than he normally would have. That's a good point. Uh, a, a pretty good evening. I mean, Joe Manchin was the only Democrat who voted for Kavanaugh. He won re-election for the most part. The Dems that uh, did not support Kavanaugh have lost. Right. Um, you know, there were some – I wonder out loud with you – what difference a Gwen Graham on the ticket with Andrew Gillum would have made? I think he really dissed the women vote there. And Gwen Graham, who was the, the rock star, just disappeared, really didn't even do anything, not even really campaign very openly for this race. So, uh, you know, when, when Gillum uh, won the uh, nomination. Right. But, In a moment, I want to I want to get you um, to talk a little bit about the Senate race. It looked like it was over and Scott sure. had beaten Nelson. Now we may be in a recount scenario, but... Um, you and I shared the hope and the expectation, perhaps, that Mike Miller in uh, Congressional District 7 would unseat Democrats Stephanie Murphy. It didn't even happen. It wasn't even close. Um, beat, beat, close. beat him by 15 points. What happened there? Yeah. I don't know, uh, Bud. I, you know, she was late in getting her office open, constituent complaints, and she put a lot of money in there, and Mike Miller had a lot of support. I think the Republicans made a huge mistake by not targeting that seat as a potential flip. Um, you know, Republicans did flip some Democratic uh, seats across the country. Right. This was, I think, a key one that needed to go back, as you may recall. Uh, you know, she won that seat from someone who had been in there a very, very, very long time. Yeah, our old friend John and, Michael. Uh, John Micah, and yeah. that, that seat should have flipped back Republican. But but there are some good things that happened last night on the Republican side. The first-ever Vietnamese Republican candidate won in a blue district in Massachusetts. So Republicans are starting to recruit more minorities that believe and embrace the conservative values, and they're running them as candidates. The Virginia House, which was predicted to be, for the first time in a long time, Democrats stayed Republican last night. So this, you know, the media got it wrong again. Uh, Thor O'Rourke was supposed to win. He was ahead like Hillary, and he loses. So. Now he loses to Ted Cruz, uh, and oh, even though yeah. he was ahead in Texas for a good part of the evening, and all of a sudden Cruz overhauled him, and thank goodness for that. Now let, let's bring it home right now as Andrew Gillum. Yeah. Uh, 
uh, would say. And uh, we are in a situation where Rick Scott is only four-tenths of one percent ahead of Bill Nelson. And under Florida law, that would trigger, if it stays under 0.5 percent, a recount of the vote. What are your thoughts on what happened there? I think it'll be the same way that it happened with George W. Bush. I mean, it was it was even closer with that race. Oh yeah. Um, and and usually the person, I mean, not usually in in Florida, whoever has had the most votes, that election does not get reversed. So it may tighten up a little bit. But Rick Scott's going to be your next uh, U.S. senator. I don't see that that flipping. You know what's interesting is I thought that if Nelson won, which I didn't think he really would do. It would have been on the coattails from Andrew Gillum. It yeah. would be so ironic that Gillum loses and Nelson would win. But Seminole County, I want to really focus on that because I know we're short on time. Cortez loses. And yeah. Lakin is in the fight for his life. And Republicans that have just a, a stranglehold on that county fighting for their for their life. Jay Zembauer, right? Gillum won Seminole County by 4,000 votes. Republicans better take a look at Seminole County and understand Democrats have done their homework and that they have now flipped Seminole County from a red county to a blue county. And I just want to end on this. Uh, You know, remember when the Republicans took control when Obama was, uh, you know, in office and everyone said, well, now the Republicans are going to have to work with Obama because Obama is still the president. Right. Let's see if Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats embrace that same philosophy in the next two years working with Donald Trump. You think that might happen, bud? No, they're no. They have terminal <laughs> Trump derangement syndrome, but we'll watch it with great interest. The president says, don't worry, I'll figure it out. And I know he will. And I can't wait for his news conference facing down the anti-Trump media uh, uh, yeah. later on this morning at the White House at uh, at 1130. Uh, Incredible. Something needs to change with the constitutional amendment system here. When you have 11 of 12 amendments getting 60 percent or more approval here, clearly most people had no idea what was in these amendments. I couldn't believe the results. Well, and Bud, the one that should have, the most logical that should have won was Amendment 1. It was the only one that cleared just over 58%, short of the 60% threshold. I know. But who would not want to increase their homestead exemption? Yeah, I just thought that, yeah, it was crazy. Some people didn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's just just absolutely crazy. Great job leading our team and anchoring our coverage on WFLA of the election returns decision 18, the midterms last night, Mark. And thanks for getting up early and being with us this morning. Not a problem. Always good to be with you, bud. All right, my friend. Terrific. Yeah, Mark Logos and I were discussing this still unsettled and critically important U.S. Senate race in Florida. And you have more on that for us this morning. Yeah, I do. Well, the U.S. Senate race in Florida looked to be settled when Democratic Senator Bill Nelson conceded to Republican Governor Rick Scott. But it might not be over yet and most likely will be headed to a recount. Assuming it is over, though, this voter says she's happy with the outcome, as well as Ron DeSantis's victory for Florida governor. Scott, I think, will do an excellent job. And the other one, you know, he's been there many, many years. And it's time for him to retire and get someone new in. Scott campaigned on his support for the two uh, justices President Trump nominated to the Supreme Court and his opposition to Obamacare. Scott is promising to be a reliable vote for Trump's agenda. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. All right, forget chocolate and candy. 
This year, supermarket Shane Aldi is selling an advent calendar filled with small bottles of wine. Really? How does that? I'm trying to picture that. I am, too. As a child who grew up with an advent calendar, I don't think my mom would have found this very appropriate. <laughs> but for those who don't know, that's 24 bottles, and it runs about 70 bucks. There's also one filled with cheese, in case you need another advent calendar to pair it with. For those who did not grow up with advent calendars, they count down the days in December until Christmas Eve. There's usually a little window you open up with right. a little treat, a little candy or something behind the little door. Sure, yeah. If you watch the movie Christmas Vacation, they, they change scenes and they and they, they yeah. continue to open up the advent I, calendar doors. Remember that? I do. Did you grow up with an advent calendar? Uh, I did not, but I knew some who did. Yeah, well... How about some other, how about another sweet story? Uh, I'm in. This one is a really super sweet. Every day for nearly 30 years, John and Stella Chan have stood by, uh, side by side yeah. behind the counter at their Donut City shop in Seal Beach, California. But in recent weeks, faithful customers began to notice that Stella hasn't been around. They soon learned that Stella had suffered an aneurysm and is undergoing rehab. John, who needs the money from their business, has to work at the shop every day and then rushes to the facility quickly after closing so he can be with his wife. Must be exhausted. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the customers decided to step in to help the beloved couple. Ever since, the shop, which opens at 4.10 a.m. every day, sells out by noon, hours before it's 2 p.m. close time. And 62-year-old John is able to be with Stella, who's 63, at the rehab facility. Very, very nice. Good John, stuff. John says Stella is improving, but has a long road to recovery ahead. The customers use newsletters and word of mouth to encourage the public to buy the donuts, buy the dozen. And not only has the good deed helped John, it's done wonders for the community. And uh, they even offered to set up a GoFundMe account to help him with the money. He says, no, I have enough money. I just want more time with my wife. Oh, boy, that is a, that is a sweet story. Isn't As that a promised, sweet story? Meister, terrific. <laughs> Good stuff. Got legal briefs coming up with Attorney Jeff Kaufman. You're going to be talking about a very serious story, whether or not there is legal recourse for the survivors, the victims, families of the yoga studio shooting in Tallahassee. Yeah, I guess. Interesting we, angle on that, something you want to raise with Attorney Kaufman. Also have a legal question more on the education front that a, t a listener texted in about students suing a college. And if you're stuck in a sticky legal situation mm -hmm. yourself and you'd like some free legal advice, there is still time to text it to us at 23680. Legal briefs coming up with the Deb Meister and Attorney Jeff Kaufman. It's Good Morning Orlando, the post-midterm election edition from the Frontgate Realty Studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Legal briefs next, right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes for you here on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day, 842 on Wednesday morning means it's time for Legal Briefs with Attorney Jeff Kaufman, a nationally recognized personal injury attorney, the only single attorney in the entire country who is licensed to practice in 18 states. Good morning, Jeff. How are you doing? That's good morning. Good morning. Uh, yeah. Glad. I, I am upset about yesterday. Really? There's Why? a lot of upsetting things to me. Um, regular network television wasn't on, so I didn't get to watch all my shows. <laughs> I mean, I had to watch. I had to watch the nonsense of midterm elections, where you know it's like hey. you don't find out till eleven thirty anyway. That's for us. So I got to watch the guys look at each other. You know, uh, I hear that a uh, poll. Um, I got your polls. You know, <laughs> they're never right. Let's let's just let's just. How about we wait till eleven thirty and then we can go? Okay, now we know where we're at. Well, now, you know what it's, it's it's like. You know, it's exactly what it's like. It's like those weather guys during hurricanes. They love it. They sit <laughs> out there and they Bowl. shake yeah. around a little bit. Ooh, the ground's a little wet. You know, <laughs> this is what these guys do. So, okay. 
You feeling better? I'm feeling. Got that off your chest? Yeah, a little bit. So listen, I have a, uh, it's a serious topic actually, but you know, Friday night we had a shooter um, open fire inside a hot yoga studio in Tallahassee. And it has since come out that this guy was flagged long before, specifically working for Volusia County Schools, where several students and parents made complaints about this man's behavior. Do the victims of that shooting have any legal recourse against the school system for not doing their due diligence and getting this guy out of the system before he could travel the state as a substitute teacher? Anytime somebody has a if you're put on notice that somebody has issues and you do absolutely nothing about it, that could be a problem. You could be found liable for that. Now, they did fire him a couple of times. Can that, How many times can you get fired from the same job? I don't know. I mean, I mean, if, it's like you, you get fired from case, one, yeah, you get fired from one. Let's say I work for OPD. I can go to Tallahassee and get a job. Can I keep bouncing around without somebody question. doing a basic background check? That's the question that I think the victims in this particular case are asking of Volusia County Schools. Why didn't you do your due diligence, get this guy out of the system before he comes to Leon County and ends up wreaking havoc? You know, and his deadly rampage. Do you think they have a legal leg to stand on? It, it, it depends on a situation like this. Could they have expected something like this to happen? Yes, the guy's got a loud mouth and everything else. Does that mean he's going to shoot something up? I mean, lawyers are going to be duking that out, but, I mean, we'll see. All right. Well, on another uh, question about education, someone texted us this morning asking if a student can sue a college that fraudulently lied about grad rates, their graduation rates and employment rates and accreditations after the college shut down. So it becomes clear afterward that they had lied about all of that to uh, attract top student talent, and then they end up finding out it was all false? Well, normally what happens, you can only sue somebody if they actually have funds to go after. Normally a corporation, and that's what schools normally are, nonprofits or regular corporations, uh, you can't get blood from a stone. Okay. So you got to sue somebody who has actually money to take. In a situation where a school shuts down, they probably went into bankruptcy. They probably did something. The issue then is could you sue the people in charge who are making those decisions? And that's where things get a little willy-nilly. Now, can they sue if there isn't monetary damages? Um, would it be more likely that they would have a judgment in their favor? You have to show you were damaged. I mean, you don't get to go, I was offended. I'm, I'm getting money. Yeah, don't don't believe the TV commercials where people holding big checks over their head. This guy got me this, this guy. It's all nonsense. In the end... How, what were you damaged and how much money is available for you to get? Those are the questions that need to be asked. A lot of times there's no money to get. Like, for example, this school that shut down. Right. They, they could be bankrupt or if the guy who hits you in his car only has $10,000 of insurance or no insurance. You know, you can only get what's available. So don't believe the commercials. You actually have to show damages to. Don't, it's kind of silly. Well, speaking of money and making sure you have your legal P's and Q's, um, someone else had texted in on how you add your wife to a title or deed without tax implications. Ooh, uh, you, you might be talking about doing things for estate reasons. Why? So that the items transfer upon your death without having to actually go through probate. And that really depends on the item and how much you're talking about. I mean, if you're talking about a car at a certain amount of money, you know, that's not going to be a problem because you can pass so much money money through uh, probate without it being taxed. What about a house? Um, house too. You can you can get away with that. I mean, it depends on if it's your spouse or it's somebody else. If it's your buddy, you know, you might have a problem. But you know, there are certain things that pass without too much of a problem. But I would definitely contact a lawyer for specific issues. If you're talking about, hey, yeah, I got my mom's uh, scrapbook compared to a twenty million dollar home. You know, definitely contact me so I can give you the proper advice. This is a little bit uh, out there where you're not giving too many details, but. 
it can it could be good or it could be bad. It depends on your situation. But that's where you definitely want to bring in right. legal advice. Oh, yeah, definitely. Okay, and finally, we have another listener who uh, just texted us in um, saying that their 94-year-old mom with dementia has a will with codicil, also a trust, or is it codicil, which has priority on her passing? When you say... <laughs> One more time, I'm sorry. Has a will with codicil? C-O-D- a codicil. Codicil. Uh, I, okay. I, I think that was some weird also medication that I wasn't aware That's of. That's what I, I uh, some, Sometimes wills have certain rules. Like a codicil is like, let's say let's say you and I are married, and I have a rule, and it says, it says, upon my death, if Deb gets married in the first year after my death, then, uh, this, pa- definitely then this passes to <laughs> blank. Then my, my coin collection goes to our son, Bobby. If she doesn't get married in the first year, or she doesn't do these things, then she keeps the items. That's a codicil, and it can be appropriate depending on the codicil. Okay, so which would have priority on her passing, the will or the codicil? The I codicil think. is part of the will. It is part of it, yeah. so it would have to go part and parcel They, they with take it. the whole thing in conjunction with each other. Okay, well, listen, it is really cool that you also offer, um, having a will is so important, and you offer listeners the opportunity to get one for free so that they don't leave their family members in a lurch after their death. And where can folks find that free will that you offer? Yeah, they can get us at uh, whenyouneedus.com. It's Jeff at whenyouneedus.com or just go to whenyouneedus.com and the free will is up there. Please take advantage of this. It's, it's probably the most important thing you're going to do in your whole life because after you're done, it's the people who have to clean up after you. And didn't you say that your family nearly went through this when your father passed? Yeah, my father had a will. He meant to update it. He didn't. So they were stuck with what was left, but at least there was a will outstanding. Now, I'm going to be at a Live at Five in Sanford uh, tomorrow, so come by the booth, say cool. hello. So I'll be there for five hours doing my five-cent legal legal work, and it'll be great. Just like Lucy on the Peanuts. Exactly. Now, the will that you offer, in all seriousness, that would be legally binding. So if that's all that someone does in terms of setting up their legal affairs for when they pass, it, it, would, be, it would be sufficient, correct? Yeah, definitely. All right, excellent. So congratulations on your Live at Five event. Those are a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, we, we give a lot of free legal here. And uh, a shout-out for your military service once again as we uh, look to Veterans Day this Sunday. Yeah, it's always a weird day for me. It's, it's a weird memories. Okay, well, what's what branch did you serve in? I want I you to give yourself the, props. I was in the 82nd Airborne in uh, the Army a long time ago. Well, thank you for your service regardless. Well, I appreciate that. And as usual, of course, thank you as well for coming in. I always did want to ask you this one question, though, sure. before we go. You're licensed to practice in 18 states. Right. You've been an attorney for how long now? Uh, a little over 21, 22 years. Everyone in their career has that one story, that one case, that one homicide or whatever that sticks out in their head. What is that case for you? Um, in 05, I stood in front of a jury dressed as Tigger. So I think that's the, uh, oh. that's the one I'm known for. Really? Yeah. It's weird. I'd like to be known for all the great things I've done in life, but wearing a ticker costume and a closing in, in the Orange County courtroom probably wasn't the one I'd like to be remembered at. But, you know, that's the one that plays on Court TV's most outrageous moments. So I guess that's me. Oh, well, now we know if we watch Court TV and we see an attorney in a ticker costume, we know exactly who that attorney is. And one more time, Jeff, just let folks know how they can reach you. At whenyouneedus.com. So get your free will and also give 
Jeff a call. So if uh, any of you listeners who texted us in this morning, thank you so much for texting in your question. Now you know you can give Jeff a call, and he will put you in touch with the proper attorney who can handle your specific legal situation. Jeff, I always love it when you come in. Thanks again for making time for us this morning. No problem at all. All right, keep it right here, and Bud will be right back to chair the 50,000-watt front porch on News Radio 93.1 WFLA. Here's the way the Florida statutes read on this. We're talking about um, Florida state law providing for automatic recounts when the margin of victory in an election winds up being equal or less than 0.5% of the total votes cast for that office. If the margin of victory is equal to or less than 0.25%, as with the 2000 presidential election here in Florida, you'll remember that, then Florida law requires a hand recount. Okay? Nobody has to ask for it. It just happens automatically. Um, there's been no formal concession by Bill Nelson. That's not required, of course. He is going to make a statement this morning. They're going to have to count the uh, absentees. And at this particular point, if nothing changes, we will have a recount in the U.S. Senate race that apparently had been run by Rick, uh, won by Rick Scott. And, of course, the other big story here is Ron DeSantis has defeated Andrew Gillum, even though the polls indicated there was no way that could happen. Uh, we've discussed what went on in terms of... Uh, of, of that occurring, and uh, it's remarkable. DeSantis wins by a point, 49-9 to 48-9 in the race for governor. Yaffe, what are your takeaways from the midterms? There was so much going on last night, local, national, statewide, you name it. What's your takeaway? Yeah, a lot going on. Nationally, I would have to say the Republicans, I mean, they can be a little bit happy because they were able to hold off some of the blue wave, but they should also be very, very concerned because – The Democrats are very close to flipping Florida for governor and Senate, Georgia for governor, and Texas for Senate. These are usual dominant red seats that the Democrats are able to flip, and that is not a good sign for the future. Even though the Republicans won them, barely won them. That's not good. Yeah, well, Florida hasn't been bright red like Georgia and uh, and Texas for a while here. So it's even more concerning in the Lone Star State and up there in Georgia as well. And I think your point is well taken. And the Republicans need to do an even better job of attracting um, a wider demographic, you know, younger voters, minority voters, uh, female voters than they have done. They've done a lot of great things, but there is room for growth and it needs to happen there. You've posted all kinds of things post-election on the website, right, buddy? Yeah, I posted uh, the rally speeches, the victory speeches of Rick Scott and Ron DeSantis and other stuff at WFLAOrlando.com. President speaks to the press and the nation tomorrow morning in the results of the midterms at 1130 this morning, rather this morning. I can't wait. I got to be in front of a television set when that happens. We'll be here to talk about it all tomorrow morning.